BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Um, Carter Rodriguez is away. His wife's wedding is today. He's planning for a big trip that he's got coming up, big work trip because he's an important guy. So he doesn't get to talk about the valuable lesson that the Cavs learned today. Uh, but instead, I have a very special guest with me, uh, Ty Windish. I, I, did I botch your last name? Please tell me. Oh, no, you got it perfect. Oh, okay, so that's so good because... Um, I'm sure our listeners are probably getting a little bit of a kick out of this because I complain about this every time I have a guest on that I don't confirm beforehand. Um, but you write, you are an author for The Step Back. You do their uh, newsletter every week. Is that correct? Or is it every daily? Day. Yeah, Monday through Friday. That is correct. The whiteboard. Everybody should check that out. That is correct. Thank you. Absolutely. Check that out. Um, I've podcasted with you before in the past. We always have a good time. And today we're here to talk about the Cavs lesson to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Raptors 116, Cavs 104. Uh, tough game for Kevin Love. Great game for Jetty Osman in his uh, Cavs debut as, as kind of a, a feature wing there. Um, I'm going to start with you, though, Ty. Uh, what was kind of your first impression from this game? When, when you were watching it, what was the one thing that stood out to you? I think for me, really, I mean, Jetty stood out. Uh, honestly, like I've been joking about him a lot, especially like with you and Carter, because I know, you know, it's fun and you guys talk about him a lot and he, like everything about him is a little funny to me. Like he's a good player. I don't want to not take him seriously, but like I think I saw a report that like LeBron was like texting him to check up on him when he was traveling and I was like, this is adorable. He worked out with like LeBron and Kawhi and it's like I love that he's in that group, but he can right. play. Like he can, he can really play. When he gets the ball going in transition, he can do a lot of things that are really interesting to me. Like obviously take it to the rim, which is important, but his pull up and shoot game is not bad either. He made both of the attempted threes today. So I think that was the, the good thing that stood out to me. The bad thing was uh, like you mentioned, Kevin Love struggling early. I think he was one or two of his first nine 
And really, like, stylistically, this game was really fascinating to me because the first part of the first quarter, it was like every possession went through love. Every touch, he got the ball at least at some point, either pass or take a shot. And it just really was not working that well for them. Right. And then they went a little more free-flowing. And it, still, it, kind of, it was kind of hectic. You can kind of tell it's like, okay, what the hell do we all do without LeBron here? Because I think literally everyone except Sexton and Nuaba was basically here for the LeBron era and now not. And clearly mm-hmm. that's an, a big, big adjustment to make, like where do those touches go? But I, it, it felt better to me when they were more free-form than when they were going through love. I'm curious to, to hear what you think about that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and that was one of the things stylistically. It seemed like with the starters, the intention has been with Tyron Lu for this team to really push the pace, to get out and run, um, because this is a team that's going to struggle in the half court. And, I mean, let's, let's first of all talk about the opponent here, the Toronto Raptors, who were one of the only – I think they were actually the only team that was a top five offense and defense last season – and they took that defense and replaced their worst defender on the perimeter with Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. So, like, this, this is a very, very good defensive team. And I think some of Kevin Love's struggles could also be attributed to the fact that he really only played that first game in preseason. He's a little bit rusty. He was the, the focal point of the Raptors' defense. And one thing that he, he must be pretty thrilled about is now that he's no longer second fiddle, he's getting some of those superstar whistles. Um, the, the, <laughs> the refs aren't letting contact go when he got to the line for 14 free throw attempts. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that hasn't happened once in the past four years. Um, so I, I, I don't wouldn't read too much into the struggles that Kevin Love had. Um, I, I think he missed some bunnies. I think some of it might have been rust. Um, but when George Hill was running the offense, it really seemed like the Cavs were having trouble establishing the pace that they wanted to establish. And I thought as the second unit kind of mixed in, um, you saw Colin Sexton push the pace. Um, not, not always, it wasn't always kind of productive, but it, it at least helped get the other guys going. Uh, Jetty Osman obviously pushed the pace whenever he had the ball, but um, I it, it felt like a struggle of a team that's trying to establish what their identity is versus a team, even with the turnover that they've had, that really does have kind of an established identity and they know who they are, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, watching Sexton was fun because he's really and, – and Osman a little bit, but really Sexton's just a complete whirling dervish. Like you have no idea what's going to happen. He ended with nine points on two for seven shooting, four turnovers. So obviously not like, a, oh, my God, this guy's incredible. I'm not saying he's bad either. It's just you can tell, like, he is a rookie point guard who plays aggressively and fast, and that's how that's going to look a lot in this first season. But I, was, I, I didn't hate what I saw because he got involved. Like, he did stuff. You know, a lot of good players start off, they don't look great, but they do stuff. Like, it's the players who don't do anything that really concern me. You know, it's like if just nothing <laughs> happens around you while you're on the floor at all, especially when you're young, it's just like, you're not, how are you going to grow? Like, how are you going to learn how to do stuff? So I, I wasn't especially off put by that. I was a little worried about Sam Decker getting so many minutes. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the Sam Decker experiment yield at this point. I like David Nwaba better. I think he could yeah. help, especially their defense, but yeah, it's fun to watch them run. I think, and this is something that this, this, this part of the Cavs has not changed the sort of conflict between, well, our offense will be much better if we have four perimeter guys in love and we run pick and rolls when we are in those half-court situations. Right. 
but what happens to the defense and the rebounding without Tristan Thompson out there? It's like that's been a thing even when LeBron was here, and it feels to me that's going to continue to be a thing because they get so clogged with Love and TT, but without TT, then the defense is even, even more or less than ideal. I'm, I think I'm with you there. The one thing I'd note, and like George Hill, it's not like he was ineffective. I mean, 15 points, seven uh, assists. He was fine. Five of 11 shooting, he was fine. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was cool. But, yeah, but like his, his body language was tough out there. Uh, one thing that I, I know has disappointed some Cavs fans is just the lack of assertiveness with him. And I think when you're talking about Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson being out there together, um, you really need that point guard, especially if you're running a pick and roll with uh, Thompson. Um, you need a point guard that's going to draw attention. And, and even though Sexton doesn't have the shooting prowess, if Tristan's screen can uh, kind of set him free, that lets it forces the defense to collapse and to adjust. And I, I think that can open up opportunities. And I, I think when they do eventually go to Sexton with the starters, I think that's going to help some of their half-court issues. Even if he's not as effective, I, I think it's going to help them generate better looks uh, compared to Hill, who's kind of just probing, right? He's, he's using that screen just to, to see if he can create a little bit of space for a shot. He's very um, methodical. Yeah, he, he is very methodical. And um, as you said, obviously there, there's going to be some spacing issues when you have Tristan Thompson out there. Uh, but that's something I think you can combat with speed. And um, both Thompson and Nance, I mean, they're, they're not going to give you a lot of spacing, but I think they can create spacing with their gravity as pick setters and, and what they're able to do to free up guys on the perimeter. Yeah, I think they're going to have to figure out something to clear up the rim a little bit because there were times when it would be several possessions in a row in a row of a Cavalier, you know, usually like Clarkson who will shoot just every shot. I love watching Jordan Clarkson because it's just like shot, 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 shot. Like I, I wish I had that confidence in my day job that Jordan Clarkson has in the NBA. <laughs> um, but, you know, guys like him and Sexton and Hill and Rodney Hood who, again, I thought was like, eh, I, I wasn't inspired. I wasn't like, oh, he's terrible. But I wasn't like, oh, thank goodness they signed Rodney Hood. It was just, he's fine. But all those guys attacking the rim, and they'd sort of get past the first level of the defense and start to drive, and there's just a wall, like a clog in the paint. And there were so many, like, running floaters and stuff. And it's like, yeah, if you're Steph Curry, that's a great shot. If you're Rodney Hood, it's, it's not great. You know, it's not efficient. It's not going to get the job done. they got to figure out a way to turn that situation into either a better look at the rim or a kick out to somebody either – cutting toward the rim or a three-point shooter because those just floaters are just not not good basketball one of the I don't I don't know their names but one of the cat people on the Cavs broadcast at one mm. point was like you know those mid-rangers you know if you can make them they're good shots it's like oh <laughs> guys don't, don't, they're not really and they're not making them see now I got the Raptors broadcast being up in Canada oh, yeah. so I'm not too I'm going to just assume that that's Austin Carr um was that the uh the color commentator what was it the one that sounds like chef um Chef's dad from South Park? <laughs> yes. Okay. So, yeah, that would be Austin Carr and former player. And I, I think the mid-range shot was probably a little bit bigger part of the game than it is nowadays. But, yeah, I, I mean, this is a lot of what I want to see from this team. Like, the, the Raptors are they're uh, probably legitimate title contenders now. Like, they don't have a great shot at a title just because the Warriors exist. Um, but they have a real shot to make the finals, especially if Kawhi Leonard can find his form. I mean, 
he he still doesn't have his jumper, but you, you look at what he did out there tonight uh, with 24 points, 12 boards. Like, he's a monster. Like, he, he's so much better than what they had in DeRozan. Danny Green's a great addition. And for the Cavs, there, there were several points in this game where I thought this was just going to get out of hand. And for them to continue to kind of push and, and fight back, um, that said a lot to me. Even Kevin Love, who was, as he said, he started like one for nine, really struggling with his shot. His body language wasn't great. He still went out there and just kept competing. And I don't anticipate him to, to struggle like this offensively uh, for, for the whole season. Um, but against a team of this caliber, it's I, I like seeing fight uh, from the Cavs. Yeah, I mean, the Raptors are, like we've said this, but just very good. Like Boston and Philly were both unimpressive in their first game. And again, we're, like obviously the first game sample size doesn't really mean that much. But just from what we've seen so far, those two teams, their offenses clearly have some problems, especially Philly. The Bucks looked like they were great and then completely blew a lead and almost lost to the Hornets, who are the Hornets. <laughs> uh, the Raptors, on the other hand, look good. They, they sort of allowed a comeback at one point, but not really. Lowry's advanced numbers to finish the game are just obscene. He had a true shooting percentage of 101.4. The, uh, the anti-stats people will tell you that's why they hate advanced stats, because how can you shoot more than 100%? And an offensive rating of 166. And that's just, yeah, not bad. Not bad, Kyle Lowry. So if they get Look at you, you nerd. Person, look at, yeah, look at you saying those numbers. Big time nerd. Um, <laughs> Um, I was gonna make a Steph over Michael Jordan joke, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna risk it here. Um, don't, 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 don't no, risk it. I, I don't. I don't believe that either. Anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah. So it's like the Raptors are really good, and I, I said this before we started recording. And Justin was like, "No, look, get this up, get this on the pod." It it looked early like the the Cavs were gonna lose by thirty. Like it looked like they were gonna get smacked, and the fact that they made it into a game, I think, is promising. I agree with you. I don't think they're gonna be able to really defend anyone with these players. Maybe Nance getting back will help a little bit. Probably not. But the yeah. fact that they, they can stay competitive is interesting to me. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, I, I, I've spoken about this before, and I, I think the kind of timeshare between Larry Nance Jr. And, and Tristan Thompson is going to help both of them because they're energy guys. Um, both are – I mean, if Tristan's healthy and he can return to form, he's a, a starting center. But – um, both of them are, are kind of the, those fringe starters and, and really heavily relying on context. And I, I think they can help one another. Uh, I thought Ante Zizic gave uh, the Cavs some good minutes yeah. out there. Um, it's, he's a guy that I, I find interesting. And so many of the guys that when we're, we're looking at this game, the players that I find the most interesting are, are guys that aren't necessarily getting burned yet. Um, or at least don't project it to get consistent minutes, and it's the young guys. And um, a- again, my my kind of vision for this season is I, I want to keep Kevin Love around for the next chapter of this team. But outside of that, a lot of these veterans, I'd I'd rather just see them go. Like I, I'd rather see George Hill gone and, and Colin Sexton starting uh, than seeing him kind of float around on the court and mope around like. I'd rather make mistakes and be bad in the process of getting better and working on things rather than what this is, which is probably not a good team, but not as bad as you'd want them to be. Um, so I, I do want to see, I, I think this next little period, this first period of the season is going to get a little awkward because you're going to have these stretches where you just want these, these veterans out of here. 
Yeah, this is certainly going to be, if they can't find deals for some of these guys, I think Hill and Corver especially, this is going to be one of those teams that all the good teams around the, the buyout deadline are looking at, like, come on, we know you're going to cut them. Just cut them. <laughs> we, we want to add that guy for nothing. Let's make this happen. Um, yeah. I, I, I agree. I think it's going to be a good thing for this team. You know, it's I, – I think in my projections for all the teams, I had them, like, around 9 or 10 in the East. I thought they would sniff around the bottom if, if they keep love. Obviously, if they – if they do deal love, I think they'll be much, 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 much worse. Right. But it like like it doesn't really matter though. Like they don't they're not gonna be good. It wouldn't surprise me if they hung around the playoff race for a little while if they all got in a groove, but I don't expect them to make it because I mean the East is the East, but it's like a little better now. It's like a semblance of being decent, at least at the top. Right. Yeah, there there's solid teams there and and I think even if Love's here, he's probably going to miss, especially if they're being conservative with him. He's probably going to miss his regular kind of 15-20 games here. Um and yeah, as you said, they there's some guys that they might just kind of have to look in the face and be like, "Man, we we're going to have to buy these guys out." Like uh Hill, Corver and JR, I guess the the one plus side they have is that next year isn't guaranteed. Um yeah. So if teams are trying to look to get off some future salary, there's some value there. You're probably not getting a lot in return. You're not getting a prospect that you're really going to care about too much. Uh, you're almost certainly not getting a first, um, especially with Yoakam Noah and Ryan Anderson. Like Those kind of albatrosses already moved. Um, I, but maybe you can get a second. Maybe you can just free up some playing time for the young guys. And um, I, I don't presume to speak for all Cavs fans, but I, I think we'd like to see what Colin Sexton can do. I'd, I'd like to go on that experience and, and figure out what he can be and, and really give him the full opportunity to use this season to learn. I think, I think the reason I'm really, really now that we're talking all in on getting Hill out of here somehow, and like George Hill is fine, but they, they just they have no real use for him. And playing Sexton in the starting lineup with Osman is I want to see just how good Jetty can be shooting catch-and-shoot threes. Like, I don't know if he'll ever be a pull-up from three guy. Like, I don't know if he'll have that in his skill set. Maybe. I mean, everyone's learning how to do more stuff with three-point shooting now. I mean, he was doing it in Turkey, and, like, that's he the was. weirdest thing to me. Like, almost all his shots were off the dribble, and, and that's strange. Like, I, I think, at least from the NBA range, it's, it's probably going to be the spot-up that's better. But, yeah, I, I mean, that, that would certainly be a development if you could consistently do that. But I'm I'm just like get get a uh, Sexton out there, run some pick and rolls, get get Jetty out on the perimeter. It's like it's Jetty, right? Not Chetty. Correct. Yeah, with the J, J sound. Okay, Jetty. Get Jetty out there. Let him do some catch and shoot when he's not handling the ball. Like I'm fascinated to see what he's going to turn into because he's uh, he's very young, right? Yeah, yeah. He's uh, I think he's 21 or 22. Okay, because sometimes you know a guy comes from overseas and you think he's real young, you get confused. A lot of people tell me like, "Oh, Miritich, he's an up and comer." It's like, no, he's like 30. Like he he just came over late. But I thought, oh, oh no, he's he's uh, he's 23. There you go, Jetty. Okay, so that's still pretty young and obviously real young in NBA minutes sort of a framework. Right. And I I really do think there is potential there for him to be interesting. I'm not I'm not gonna put a label on it besides interesting. I don't know what it turns into. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on realistically, you know, what do you think that Jetty could end up being for this team? I, I mean, my hope for him is that he would be able to develop into kind of like a, a high-end starter. Like, I don't think he's going to be an all-star or anything like that. Um, certainly crazier things have happened, uh, but that that's not in my expectations for him. But uh, you look at him tonight, like, as I said, that's, 
he's going up against Kawhi Leonard. He's going up against probably what's going to end up being a top three defensive team in the league. And 17 points efficiently, 10 boards. Uh, I thought his assists were very nice. Some good steals. He's jumping passing lanes. Like, he... I, it looks like he's going to be a very helpful player, and he, he's certainly an NBA rotation player, uh, which is certainly not a guarantee when you're drafting in the second round. And uh, I, I'm encouraged. Like, I thought when the Cavs drafted him, my impression was that he was almost going to be like a small forward version of Tristan Thompson in that he's hmm. going to know exactly what he can and can't do. He's not going to venture outside of that. Um, he, he really had no ability to, to handle the ball at that point. His shot was a little streaky, but he was someone that would get out and run in transition. He'd find passing lanes off ball. Um, but he has really worked to, to grow his game. And uh, <laughs> I guess the workouts with uh, Durant, LeBron, and Kawhi did him some good this summer. I guess so. The, interesting, the really interesting thing to me, and I'm saying the word interesting a lot here, but there's like a body type that not a lot of players have. It's like the big wing. And a lot of like the best players in the NBA right now are that body type. So I, I'm not comparing Jetty to these guys, but it's like the the Durants, the Paul George, the Giannis, the LeBron sort of, LeBron on the shorter end like Jetty is. But like these guys who are long and they, they look like big wing players who don't think that they're going to be able to dribble, but they can. Like those guys lately in the NBA have been very good. Like on the lower end, there's like Rudy Gay, I guess. But – <laughs> Covington kind of, but he doesn't really handle the ball like the rest of those guys do. But it's just like I wonder, like have we really seen a guy whose floor is that low, who's that kind of a big playmaking wing player? Like has there been like a very bad one that hasn't made it? Like it feels like all of those guys are at least like fine to good. See, that that's a really interesting question to me because – that wouldn't have been what I would have defined him as, but he's someone that's now getting out in transition. He's making plays. He He's creating for himself off the dribble. He's getting to the rim when he wants to. I, I mean, they, they contested a lot of his shots. I think Ibaka blocked him once or twice. Um, but again, that, that's that's a hell of a defensive team in Toronto, a really long defensive team, and, and he was at least getting to the rim. And if he can continue to finish, if he can draw fouls, like, I guess you're right. He he kind of is that big playmaking wing, and um, again, I'm I'm certainly not buying into him being the caliber of player that uh, you've associated him with, with him with there. Uh, but he is kind of that archetype of that big playmaking wing, and um, I mean, you look at the last time LeBron left after the decision, and you're talking about guys like Manny Harris getting career-ending uh, freezer burn and, and shit like that. Like, Wait, in- Interesting, I will take. I will take any player being interesting on this team. Do you not remember Manny Harris? I sure don't remember a career-ending freezer burn. Yeah, he went into like one of those deep freezer things, and it went like south. And it, oh, like, my God. Then he fell out of the league. I think he tried coming back like two years ago, but yeah. I hope he had like a good lawsuit and at least secured the bag out of that. That's tough. <laughs> well, I, I guess it's Manny Harris. So I'm I'm going to assume he wasn't going in the same like deep breeze that LeBron does. Like it yeah, was probably it's like not like the billion dollar a year one in your house. No, it was like in the back of like a tanning salon and <laughs> at Denny's. <laughs> yeah, I just hopped in the Denny's. I, I want to do one last Jetty thing, and I know my Jetty optimism is becoming unhinged even for this podcast. No, no, go for it. Let let it let it fly, my friend. 
the one thing I, well, not the one, but another thing that I really like about him is it feels like he picks up stuff from the guys he plays with. Like, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I know what Jetty Osmond's jump shot looked like when he was in Turkey, but I'm pretty sure that he's basically control C, controlled V, and, and copy pasted Kyle Corva's jumper. Like, his jumper looks a lot like Corva's jumper. He does some, and he's not obviously at the same caliber, but he does some of that big wing stuff like those players he worked out with. And he, he does it smoothly, and that's the thing that surprised me. Like He would run in transition and either go to the rim or pull up and shoot, and it wasn't like – usually when a player's trying that kind of stuff in the NBA for the first time, there's that little – like you can, so you can see the doubt and the hesitation in the shoulders, like, oh, am I really going to do this? And that's, that's when you do bad things. Jetty just went up and did it. I'm like, yeah, he got swatted a few times. <laughs> that's going to happen. But he played with confidence and with smoothness, and I was like, damn, like he's really – he's picking up some stuff. Like I'm, I'm, I'm high on him right now. And the other thing is getting rejected at the rim didn't result in him not attempting that again and like um, settling for jumpers on the outside. Like he's relentless in what he's doing. And, and you're right. Like his jumper, I I can tell you last season looked nothing like this. If you go and look at any of his highlights um, from last year, the, the, the form was completely different. And it's funny to me because there was really a gap, so he was starting towards the end of last season, around the trade deadline to the end of last season. He had started a few games, then he fell out of the rotation once the the new guys kind of got acclimated. And there wasn't a lot of time from the end of the season to Summer League, but once Summer League hit, it was like all during his time off, he had just been working on his game, working on his jumper. Um, he's downplayed the relationship with Corver, but I, I think that had to have played some factor there. Um, just because of how similar it looks to Corvus jumper, which is a pretty, pretty recognizable jumper. Um, and that, that growth seemed to happen in a really short period. And, and that's part of what's got me excited. Like the, the Jetty hype, I, I think we were mostly having fun with it two years ago. I, I liked him as a player. Like I just thought he was someone that could contribute. And the, the fact that he has shown such substantial growth already, um, it, it's kind of fun to just run with it, especially on the season where you're looking for, for some bright spots here. Yeah, and I mean, listen, this is, this is reading way too much into nothing. But I don't think LeBron just like, invites people to these workouts because they're like you know, a cool guy. <laughs> I don't know if it works like that. I don't know if LeBron's like, this guy's, this guy's kind of funny. Come on, let's go work out with all these, these superstars. Listen. I think, I think Carter's saying, theory was that saying. he's like, hey, I used to practice against this guy. He was annoying as hell. He, was, he always tries. We can at least shoot over him. <laughs> that was maybe the realistic expectation. But, hey, maybe he got something out of it here. What if, what if the tape le- leaks from that someday and he's just like toasting Durant? <laughs> well, if he dunked on LeBron, the one thing we know is that that footage would be buried and never oh, going yeah. to surface. That's gone. That's gone like the uh, Asian lawn chair workout video is gone. <laughs> you can't find it. It's not, it's not anywhere. Oh, man. Wasn't that Jordan Crawford that dunked on LeBron and they buried the tape? It might, and, and his career, too. <laughs> they got they got his they got his whole career out of the paint. Hey man, Steezus got he got some burn. He he got some. Oh, yeah. He got a little. He's uh he's been a clutch free agent pickup in two K for years now, <laughs> and I'll always value him for that. I joked about this on Twitter, but with sex and shooting two of seven, he's basically a dad with a shoe deal away from being a superstar in the eyes of the league. <laughs> oh, oh you're gonna you're ruffling some feathers on purpose. Fun fact: the Cavs did not block a shot. 
Well, would you look at that? They did not. I wonder when the last time that's happened is because I feel like most games is at least one block. Yeah, like it, you, you'd think that they would like at least just get a hand in the way of a layup and kind of disrupt yeah. it. I thought there was a couple deflected shots in there when, uh, like, I thought Van Vliet going to the rim. There was one time that I think it just his layup missed the rim entirely. And I was like, oh, that must have been a deflection or something. But <laughs> it just went yeah. out. Yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're still probably not going to be a great defensive team, but no. I think the effort there was, was, it was more evident than it has been in the past. And that's not necessarily a high bar. They were 29th in defense last year. Um, but I, I don't think this is going to be a team that necessarily embarrasses, them, embarrasses themselves on the defensive end. No, and I think one of the one of the several, and I'm actually really interested in the Cavaliers. I keep using that damn word, but I am because it's like I think there is some some fun players here, and I really want to see what a Ty Lue team without LeBron looks like. Like I'm, I, I th- I'm curious about that too. All of the you know GM and coach LeBron stuff is greatly overblown, but there is no denying that like obviously you run and coach a team differently when a guy like LeBron and especially LeBron himself, maybe more than anyone ever is on that team. And it's like, now you go from, obviously they had to figure out non LeBron stuff, which was mostly a disaster too. You know, that well, however many 30, however many minutes a game where it was like, okay, LeBron's going to run everything. Everyone just sort of move around him and he'll tell you what to do to, you know, everyone figure stuff out now. And, you know, like we touched on earlier, like, are they going to try to go back to, to love a bunch again? I don't, I don't really like the idea of running an offense through the post in 2018-19. That's what the Sixers want to do, and I'm, I'm just like, why? Like, pick and rolls just work better? Like, we know this now. Right. Uh, we'll see if they do that. I mean, if I were the Cavs, I'd love to see Jetty and Sexton just running a bunch of pick and rolls with Love and TT and trying to stretch out the, the defense that way, get some shooters, get Hood some good looks. Um, I'd like to see Nawabo play more as well, but it'll be interesting to see what kind of stuff that they do in the, the post-LeBron era part two yeah and i don't know if they're necessarily going to go to love in the post uh, a whole lot like i think it was, that, more, it was more elbows i sort of misspoke no 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 i i'm i hey it, it's a guessing game at this point like we we don't know exactly how it's going to look i'm i'm more thinking out loud here than correcting you um but i, I think that's something that they might go to for like a bailout bucket when things are stagnant um, but that's that's not really Love's game. Like I, I think they're going to build around what he does best at this stage of his career, and his game has evolved. And um, I, I think you're going to get a little bit at the elbows, but if this team is operating at its ceiling, it's going to be because there, there's a lot of movement. There's there's not going to be one guy kind of standing around or creating for everybody or or being like LeBron where you, you have a guy draw, drawing defense in and kicking out. I think they're going to have to get creative. And, and as you said, I think we're going to have to learn a lot about Tyron Lue and um, just kind of what his identity is as a coach. Because when you have LeBron, you make concessions. And, and as much as Lakers fans thought that that wasn't going to happen, it, it's funny to already see them pivot. Well, well, you kind of have to do this with LeBron. You kind of have to start Contavious Caldwell Pope to make Rich Paul and LeBron happy. And, and you're starting to see the, the gradual realization of exactly what that all entails. Right. And it's so much like, yeah, he'll be fine playing the five for big minutes. Like, yeah, we'll see. I can't believe they haven't played yet. I can't believe the NBA is doing this. I got to stay up late on a Thursday to watch that team play. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Like, there's no consideration for our sleep schedules at all. Like, if I want to get jokes off 
on Thursday night. I have to stay up. And I'm going to have to be grumpy on Friday. Like that, that's far from ideal. Yeah, I'm not not a big fan of that. <laughs> Do you have? Are, are you in the Central Time Zone? I am. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now uh, now I feel a little less bad. Central Time Zone is the best for all our listeners. I'm sorry if you live in the East, but um, Central is by far the best. You, you get the game starting at six. You have the West Coast games ending at midnight. That is prime NBA watching window. Like if I didn't have a quote unquote day job, I would like the West. The, the Pacific time zone, excuse me, because, you know, you get the games starting early, the games end earlier, you can maybe do something after the games. Yeah, but, but you got to like, drive home, you got to have... Yeah, dinner. like, you're going to miss half the game, the first the set of games, if it starts at, like, four year time or whatever, like, that's not ideal. Yeah, that's... I got, I got stuff to do, man. I, right. I, got, I got food to eat, I got, I got a commute, it, it's just, it's a hassle. It um, is. So, we're going to ha- probably have you on again to talk about the Bucks when when the Cavs are playing the Bucks because you're you're my Bucks guy you're you're, oh, you're yeah. who I rely on for some insight. What? But before we uh, wrap this up, I, I just want to get kind of a sense though. Uh, with the season starting, obviously tonight was a bit of a narrow win. I haven't had a chance to look at it uh, any of the the footage there. But what's your sense on how this Bucks season is going to go? The game was disappointing at the the, the first, It started off really well. It was disappointing by the end, and I think there's some growing pains that the team's gonna have to work through, especially defensively. It, the, the Bucks have the potential to be really good this year, though. I mean, I think 50 wins should be like they should. They I think they absolutely should win 50 games because under Budenholzer, you know, the defense probably won't change a whole lot. I'm hoping it gets a little better because Jason Kidd was just. 100% inept as a head coach in the NBA. Um, <laughs> How do you really feel about him, though? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of Bucks people that have said a lot worse things. That's, that's tempered if you go on hashtag fire quit, fire kid Bucks Twitter. Um, <laughs> but what Bud's basically doing is saying, we're as much as possible, we're going to have at least three and normally four shooters around Giannis, and we're going to work actions with him in the middle, handling the ball. So either your choice is let Giannis go one-on-one near the rim, which is, you know, not good. Like, his new thing is now if he's around the rim, he just dunks every time. I'm a big fan of that play. I think it's analytically very sound. I, I, th- I Yeah, I think that's a smart decision. The, this yeah. whole dunking thing is uh, it's something I endorse. Well, when you put on 20 pounds of muscle, it becomes easier. The fact that he put on – he put on a real 20 pounds of muscle, which is just obscene. But So then, if you obviously, if you go to help him, Giannis is a good passer, especially down around the post, like – he uses those stupidly long inspector gadget arms to like reach out of bounds and just like do angles of passing that really shouldn't exist to get uh, shooters in the corner of the ball. So the Bucks are shooting way more threes than ever before, which is kind of like, uh, duh, probably should have been doing this the whole time, <laughs> but they didn't. Um, so they should be really good. They're going to have to figure out some defensive stuff because like Kemba Walker was torching them. Tony Parker at age 600 was torching them. Uh, and that still looked really weird to watch him in teal. Uh, Nick Batum would have torched them, but he's just I, – I don't know what happened to Nick Batum between Portland and now, but it's, it's bad. He it's, had a, it's, a, it's a lot of injuries, and, and now yeah. we have the possibility of uh, Tony Parker sleeping with his wife. So I, I, I wasn't going to go there. I'm glad, I'm glad you went there. I didn't, I didn't want to go there. I'm glad you did that for me. Um, he had a, an opportunity to win the game. Like the point, I think Kemba got a shot, seconds left. Bucks are up one point. And it misses. And for some inexplicable reason, John Henson, who for a different inexplicable reason was on the floor at all, instead of grabbing the rebound, slaps it out directly to the Hornets, who pass it to a wide open Nick Batum, and his shot just barely hits glass on the other side of the rim from him. And, and it was game. But 
that was rough for him. But yeah, it was the Bucks have the potential to be really good. They might mess it up again, but I I'm confident that they have a good coach now and they're going to figure it out. See, I'm personally more confident in the Bucks than I am in the Sixers this year. Like I, I think I agree. I think the top tier is Toronto and Boston. Yep. And and then that third tier, you you got Milwaukee, you got Philly, and you got Indiana probably. And to me, it it's it's Milwaukee at the top of that group. Um, I, Indiana had a strong first game from what I I've seen. Um, but I I mean Giannis, if Kawhi can't get back to 100 percent of who he was, and even if he does, Giannis is that type of player that he could be better than than what Kawhi was, or he can be the best player in the conference. And, and I think ultimately we, we've seen it time and time again that when playoffs come around, if you have the best player, you, have a, you at least have a, a puncher's chance in any series. And if you have a coach that puts him in a good situation, which I, I think Coach Bud is going to do, um, that, that really opens things up and, and makes anything possible. Yeah, I'd be a big fan if they could snag Corver from from you guys for for something. See, that was that was something that I thought was going to happen, and I, I'm still could. I'm, sh- I'm sure it still could. Uh, I don't think it's going to cost a whole hell of a lot. Um, well, the but, problem now is Bud really likes Dante Divincenzo, and he shot the ball really well this evening. <laughs> I, I didn't think I, I'm looking at the box score as we speak. White Dante got 22 minutes. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. So Bud's a big fan of that guy. Yeah, man, Tony Snell didn't really perform. I it, this this is a our most popular segment, which is called "Read the Box Score on Air." Um, <laughs> like, what what would you realistically want to give up uh, for Kyle Korver, or, or be willing to part with? See, the problem is, like, if we could, if we could give one of these these, can I swear on here? Oh. You, Yes, yes, you I thought you did earlier. I wasn't sure. If we can give up one of these kind of shitty contracts and some sort of a, a Wait, did you did you seriously stop the podcast for shitty? Yeah. Man, you are I wanted to make more sure. polite than me, and I'm I'm the Canadian here. I wanted to make sure. You know, I don't wanna I don't wanna kill anyone else's podcast flow. You are a gentleman and a scholar. Continue. I work on it. If we can give up like Henson or Delhi and something, I don't know why the Cavs would want to, and I wouldn't want to give up a first round pick for Corver. It'd probably be a second rounder. I don't know why the Cavs would want to do that. Would you flip I mean, Delhi for JR? Uh, probably JR's contract isn't any better, is it? Oh, I guess non guaranteed next year. Non guaranteed, exactly. Delhi has a. So the Cavs maybe. would get a. The, the trade actually does work straight up. The Cavs would get a trade exception for the, the difference in the contracts. But yeah, JR's is one of the few like old CBA contracts that are still out there. So you, it, it's non-guaranteed. So I think that would work. So I was just curious if that would be something that you'd consider. Can I have you put in something wild to see if it would work? Okay. Um, add, add Hill from the Cavs and add Henson and Snell from the Bucks. All right. So... I'm going to filibuster a little bit as I enter this in. I because I that was that was something that I had seen previously. Was this is like this would be like Bucks fans Nirvana to get off all three of those for next season. Okay, okay. okay. These are the deals. Every time anyone posts anything about like an available free agent, all of our mentions are like if they didn't. So we got John Henson, we got Delhi, and we got whom? Snelly, Tony Snell. Snell. See, I don't hate Tony Snell. Like that's, I don't. I don't hate him either. But it's like ten million a year, and there's a lot of nights where he just doesn't do a thing. Isn't it kind of a miracle that that guy isn't on the Atlanta Hawks? Like the the, yeah. the Horford Paul Millsap Hawks. I feel like well, that's 
Pony Snell would thrive there. I, I had high hopes for him on this team because this seems like an ideal like wing university under bud candidate to me. Like I've been saying all summer, like I think Snell is going to be better this year and he still might. I mean, it was 11 minutes in one game, but. Oh man. Okay. So I did Henson, Snell and Delhi for Corver, JR and Hill. And we are $1.7 million too much going to the bucks. Oh, toss in DJ Wilson. Um, Okay. Let me see. Who literally is like salary filler with big hair right now. See, we and the Cavs do like big hair. Well, perfect. And you have yourself a trade. Oh my goodness, Bucks and, fans everywhere and, and rejoice! Looks like, it looks like the machine is doing really well today. So the Cavs actually save about seven million dollars in money there this um, year. This not next year. Hollinger's analysis for the trade is twenty-six extra wins for the Bucks and twenty extra wins for the Cavs. Oh well, how can we both not do it? Right, like this Bucks is will uh, win seventy. Cavs will win forty-five. This is um, this is one of those deals where just a lot of guys that need to change the scenery, right? There. Yeah, yeah. I've always said <laughs> George Hill on the Bucks is like a twenty and twenty guy, twenty assists per game. Man, yeah, that that's not a contract you wouldn't love to have. And it's only ten million, but uh, yeah, after after those two years, Cavs. All, all of a sudden, free agent destination there. You, you freed up a lot of gap space. Yeah. All right. Two years away from two years away. <laughs> well, this is clearly falling off the rails, but I do really appreciate you coming on. Again, folks, check out the whiteboard on the step back. Um, anything else you want to plug before I let you go? I have a, I have a special link for that if you guys want to. It's on my Twitter too. So if you get look at Ty Windish, T-I-W-I-N-D-I-S-C-H on Twitter, that's like my, my one link that Twitter gives you is my thing. But bit.ly slash NBA whiteboard will bring you to the sign up. You can get it in your inbox every single day. It's so convenient. Uh, it's the, I like it, the, the whiteboard is cool because it's like a little uh, original piece for me every day. Tomorrow's is going to be about how the Cavs are going to play actually. I'm just going to cannibalize what I said here. Don't tell my editors. Cool. Um, but the the part I really like is after that is a bunch of links to stuff around like the NBA internet that I really liked from the day before. So mm-hmm. it's nice to sort of share stuff. So that's uh that's my favorite part is you know like let everybody see what everybody else is doing. So yeah, check that out. That's it for my plugs though. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ty. Thanks again to our listeners. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the return of basketball, even though it was a bit of a lesson for the Cavs. Um, Again, support our podcast, leave a rating, leave a review. It's the best way to, to help us out and, and help other people find it, as well as tell your friends and family about it. And uh, if you want to get in on our Fearless, or not the Fearless Sword, but the Chase Down uh, Discord chat, send a screenshot of the review you leave on iTunes to chasedownpod at gmail.com, and we will respond with a link to our Discord chat. It's a, I, I know a lot of people were having fun in there during the game today, it's kind of a little safe space from Twitter, which sometimes we, we all need. So I'm getting on there right after this, by the way. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thanks again, Ty. Thanks to our listeners. And until next time, go Cavs. Thanks, Justin. No problem, man. Thank you for uh, stepping up.